You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Let's party. So, hi everybody, this is Corey Minton, a part of the Big Data Beard team, joined by my bearded brother, Brett Roberts, and we are at the AI conference from O'Reilly Media in uh, New York City, and we are joined by Jack Norris, Senior Vice President of Data and Applications for MapR Technologies. Jack, welcome Thank to you. Big Data Beard. Thank you. I'm glad to have you. So, Is, um, it, is it important that I point out to our listeners that I don't have a beard? Is that... See, we're actually thinking of names for all of the like options of facial hair to give them data specific names. So there's like the screaming data scruff. There's the machine learning mustache, which Ooh. I think would look really nice on you. You could, and you could tell everybody this is the machine learning mustache and you could register the domain and it'd be on, on your Although, way. The deep learning Van Dyke, I think would be better. <laughs> <laughs> there's a t-shirt coming, believe me, there, this coming. is going to be a t-shirt. Well, Jack, tell us a little about you and, uh, and how you landed at MapR technologies. Uh, well, um, Kind of a varied background in enterprise software. Um, originally business intelligence, uh, then uh, storage, virtualization, um, kind of a scale out uh, database, and then MapR. So it's kind of interesting because it's really the convergence of all those technologies that are coming together in our platform. And the the big paradigm shift that I've seen is that in the past, enterprise storage, it was really about starting with the application and having that dictate the organization of the data. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the way to, to really optimize for cost and for speed and, and you know, situate, transform the data just so. Mm-hmm. And the big, the big paradigm shift is that now it's about how do you take the data and bring the processing to it? Yeah. How do you eliminate the ETL and data duplication? And really, how do you have the this very flexible, scalable platform that extends to support more dis- dis- distributed processing? Right. And you know that goes from the edge to to the cloud mm-hmm, for sure. So MapR Technologies, uh, for those that don't know much about it, tell us, give us the the, the high level view of what MapR Technologies is and kind of how it's built and what you're seeking to uh, to achieve. So uh, MapR is really f- focused in the in the center of this of this paradigm shift, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you look at the data platform, um, we've started to use the term data where to refer to this, this kind of first-class layer within the enterprise stack, mm-hmm. right? So you have your hardware layer, your software, your, your middleware, your, your application, but there needs to be a, a data layer mm-hmm. instead of having the data embedded at each, each of the individual layers and kind of trapped there, and then you have to you know, do all this management. So having that, that layer really puts a pressure on, well, how does that scale? Mm-hmm. How do you protect it? How do you secure it? And how does that support all of these advanced uh, applications? So if you look at containers and AI and edge, it really benefits from having a consistent fabric that can extend across locations. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes things easier for administrators because now they can simultaneously support the democratization, the kind of self-service access of data and disparate applications, et cetera, accessing the data, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, having the ability to control and protect and secure that data. And if you don't have that layer in place, that's where the complexity and, and kind of concerns and issues arise from. Yeah. One of the things that we see is there's a lot of, um, a lot of software, both some open source, some commercial platforms 
that all seek to be that platform, right? The yeah, platform yeah, yeah, is like yeah. the most like thrown around term, right? And I think it, it's oftentimes disingenuous, right? But I think that I'm curious when you guys think about becoming like that dataware, that fabric. Yeah. Help me understand what that means to like an organization because most organizations have many different data silos. They may have traditional data warehouses. They've got maybe some investment in some Hadoop-based technologies. They're yep. assessing so they've got they've got traditional storage for other things, right? How does a how does this dataware and how does MapR technology as a platform really actually tie that together? Because that's a complex problem for yeah. people. Yeah. So first of all, I think you need to have one leg in the historical existing legacy and one leg in the net new. There's many platforms that are focused on just one or the other. And and if you if you limit the focus, it makes it easier to support, right? Oh, this is just about Hadoop workload. Yeah, for sure. Well, then I can use a Hadoop distributed file system and have it be batch. And, um, you know, if you look at the Hadoop distributed file system, it's a Java layer using the underlying uh, Linux file system. And it does file copies across locations. So really hard to to do any sort of DR, really hard to do any sort of synchronization across locations. Yeah. So so if you look at that data fabric, you have to have the ability to expand across locations to basically scale linearly. So you can't have a single name node or a federated name node. That name meta information has to be distributed just like the data. Yeah. Uh, you have to have open APIs into that data and standard API, so NFS side-by-side -side with an HDFS or an S3 that's updating the same data. Okay. Because if you if you want to be a data platform and you say, oh, we're going to do an orchestration and we'll have one of these and one of these and one of these, and it's all managed with the same thing over the top, well, now you've got all this back-end ETL and synchronization behind the scenes that you know doesn't support the low latency that these new applications need. So that that layer has to have some really important um, innovation. That's where all of our patents are really focused on, on that. Okay. And we've looked at how do, you, how do you have that platform but yet not have lock-in? Right. So all open APIs to get the data in and out. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very easy to access the data. And if you don't you know, move it or have it used in conjunction with, with other things in the organization, it's not an all or uh, all or nothing in terms of using the platform. Yeah. So when I think about MapR, right, a lot of people are, and maybe maybe other people think this way too. And when I first heard about MapR, it felt like it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, felt like it was based in a lot of the same concepts as the Hadoop ecosystem was, but sought early to close the gaps on exactly what you outlined, which is some of this data security protection kind of strategies that that you that the team recognized that Hadoop had some limitations, right? It it had its use in the world, but it had some limitations yeah. if it was going to be successful enterprise. So is that true? Is it like is MapR based at least in its genesis in some of the open source technologies and then mostly now as you said it's obviously some very proprietary patented technology? Well our our, our founding team um, came out of enterprise storage. Um Spinnaker Networks was acquired by NetApp as well as uh, our CTO's chief architect at at uh, Google on the big table group. Oh, okay. So really understood both the past and the future. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning, we looked at it and said, this dog isn't going to hunt for the broad set of use cases in terms of that underlying file system. We'll create this data system to support workloads such as Hadoop, mm -hmm. but from the beginning, make it much broader. Right. So you can treat it like mounted as if it's enterprise storage or 
monitors is uh, Hadoop, but it supports TensorFlow and Cafe and all the advanced uh, AI directly onto the platform, not going through some uh, you know uh, legacy or or single purpose uh, yeah. interface. So there's so there's under the hood in the map marker. I'm gonna dig into that just for a second. So there's there's the the the, the, the XD file system. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So that's a that's a file and object store that's is uh, would you classify it as like a software defined well, object? Like how would you define it? Yeah, so so basically the issue when when you look at scale is what's the block size? Right. Right? And if you look at Hadoop, the block size started at 128 and it's 256 meg, right? And that way you get parallel processing. But that makes it difficult to do any sort of synchronization because you've got these large blocks, right? So what MapR designed from the beginning is like not one size isn't going to work. Yeah. So there's a series of interlocking containers. The lowest level, it's a compressed 8K block to handle changes on that data. Mm -hmm. There's a 256, but it can be configurable to parallelize the data. And then it's collected into 32 gig for the metadata so that you can scale to trillions of, of files or objects. Without being limited, yeah, okay. So, so that fundamental architecture uh, and how that's implemented is at the core. Mm -hmm. Now, you can put pieces of file in there and look at it and go, this is a fantastic file system. Mm -hmm. But we also do tables yeah. and document data document database and pieces of streams really? so okay. in the same fabric okay. you have file table stream access video etc okay. you've got the complete scale and you've got the ability to have different apis that are accessing the same underlying data mm -hmm. so it's it 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 maybe shares the same concepts in terms of you've got to bring the processing to the data mm -hmm. But in terms of the how, it's very, very different. And originally, you know, we we chase after the the big production workloads. It says, you know, I, <laughs> I'm concerned about how I'm going to do DR across locations. For sure, right? And yep. once you got beyond the developer and actually talked to administrator that understands this, he goes, "Well, file copy is not going to work." Yeah, um, and it's that's where it's yeah, that's where a lot of the you know once it got serious, then it moved into to MapR. So uh, can you give us an example of a customer organization that's embraced MapR and kind of the success that they've had from using this technology? Yeah, so um, a trillion dollars of annual charge volumes protected by American Express using the MapR platform. Um, they're kind of one of the, one of the early, early customers, an example of the most recent. Um, if you look at one of the, the large German um, automobile manufacturers, Huge project on autonomous vehicle um, that's you know selected on MapR. That was an RFP that I think they had 19 different companies and combinations. So wow. they looked at every possible solution. And the advantage of MapR is that our solution at the edge, the mobile vehicle, yeah. is the same software that's in the cloud and on premise. And that synchronization can be part of all a single footprint, all a single cluster. Yeah, interesting. So. You talk about that it's the same kinds of, it's the same software, the same fabric that runs anywhere, edge, yep. core, cloud, that kind of thing. Are you getting there or is that is the, the way that I hear organizations doing that is by adopting things like containerization technology yep. to where you're, you containerize the application. One of the key things there is the disaggregation of storage and compute. Like, is that is that a concept with MFR that in yes. the file system you're absolutely disaggregation? Absolutely. Okay. 
Interesting. And then are you is is that the way you've gotten there from a container's perspective? Is it based on like open source container technology or is it more a proprietary implementation no, no, of containers? No, totally open source. So and the way we've done it is is pretty unique. So if you look at containers, mm-hmm. a lot of the excitement was look, I can take this workload and I can run it here and I can move it across the data center and I can run it there and I can put it in the cloud and I can run it there. This is fantastic. Portability, yeah. As long as it's an ephemeral app. Exactly. Stateless. The minute it becomes a stateful app or it shares data, much more complex. Absolutely. That's where MapR solves it. So solving things like the consistent storage volumes for containers is like what they call the container storage integrator, CSIs. Is that the, the Yeah, the so idea? we use, okay. use that uh, API. And, and in a Kubernetes environment, mm-hmm. we just update the volume driver. And so all of the Kubernetes containers access, quote unquote, local storage, mm-hmm. much simpler for the developer. Right, much simple for the administrator, yeah. but that "quote unquote" local storage is managed by our fabric, so that can move across the data center. Mm. It can move to other data centers. It can burst to the cloud, yeah. and it's still accessing the same "quote unquote" local data. Interesting. And so that also is at the edge. So if you look at you know some of the companies like Anadarko, that's Chevron just purchased. Yeah, no, for just that's a big buy. Wasn't Thirty-three it? billion. <laughs> well, they're autonomous drilling yeah. at the edge with MapR. Yep. So here's a containerized application. We simplified, especially in these areas where not every location is constantly connected. Right. So how do you have that autonomy? How do you have that bursting? How do you have that that persistent of event streams, which is really where AI kind of connects because AI, 90% of the success is the data logistics. Absolutely. And here's a time for a plug. Um, my colleague who was just over my shoulder momentarily ago, Ted Dunning, yeah. uh, he, and, he and Ellen Friedman wrote, um, several O'Reilly books, but one in particular, Machine Learning Logistics, talks about the importance of data logistics and a rendezvous architecture to make it very easy to uh, test, deploy, and manage uh, AI models. Interesting. Now, you talk about AI. One of the things, if you know, if we're in this world of you've got a fabric that has disaggregated compute from storage, you've made it portable to where you can develop applications that you want to move between operating locations, the next kind of thing that go, pops in my mind is this idea that but the people who want to develop many of these applications likely want to deploy a variety of tools and many of those being open source. Yep. And if you've got this, you know, this platform, like how does it, how does MapR allow data scientists and developers to use open source tools like, you know, Py, PyTorch, Scikit-Learn? Like, is it, is there some open APIs that allow that, absolutely. that integration with open source systems? It, ab- absolutely. Because within an organization, it's not just across organizations, but within an organization, there's mm-hmm. multiple tools and, yeah. and there's, you know, tools that are constantly being developed that they want to deploy. So that, that platform, that openness, um, is a really important part of our approach and, and strategy. So, you know, anything that can containerize and can access through an open API, such as NFS mm-hmm. for file access or ODBC or REST, um, or, uh, the JSON application interface, the open JSON application interface is one that we pioneered and put into open source because there wasn't a great open document uh, format that, that was out there. So we're committed to not only support existing, but also pioneer new APIs to support that. So, so you mentioned open source. How is MapR contributing to the open source community? I would say roughly half our engineering effort is, is around open source projects. Um, and and activity so you know there's some that's kind of associated with the hadoop stack there's others in in uh, in kind of broader context uh, we've done a lot around um, 
supporting NVIDIA and, and their open source rapids and mm-hmm. supporting that. We see a lot of um, interest in, in kind of a GPU-based um, yeah. you know, model. Hardware, innovation, hardware accelerators are starting to get like really interesting to people. Like, wait, wait, people are interested in GPUs? No. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's funny because you, know, you, hear, you hear each of the, the you know, obviously each vendor has their own approach, right? But you hear Intel saying, you, know, you don't need GPUs for any, ever, ever, everything, which is, I think is evidently true in many cases. But NVIDIA obviously has a vested interest in making their technology interesting. I guess from your perspective, how does MapR help organizations adopt those new technologies or use them in the right places at the right time? Well, it goes back to the earlier comment about, you know, avoiding silos. Yeah. So if you can have a, a managed kind of hardware platform that has a consistent data layer across and then can direct the containers to run in the appropriate hardware. You solve it, yeah. We solve it. So some of that is, is based on the processing, GPU versus CPU. Some of it's based on the, the storage density, a deep node versus uh, maybe one that's optimi- optimized more for, for you know, yeah. flash, or et cetera. Or so, yeah, I gotcha. Um, and, and that's you know, location awareness within a cluster and then across uh, distances as well. So that's one of the things, too, we see that's, that's becoming the new normal is this multi-cloud world where, yep. you know, for years it was, for, for many years it was either like you're either cloud or you're on-premises. Yep. And now I think based on the, you know, the announcements both from companies like, um, you know, VMware, right? It's how do you run that that you've run on-premises? How do you run that in the cloud? And then things like Azure Stack and AWS Outposts, it's like how do you take the cloud and run it on-premises? How does MapR help bridge that gap in that this new what is a multi-cloud world? Does Every, it run everywhere? Everything that we've built uh-huh. in the past decade applies and makes multi-cloud possible. Really? So we've got customers today like Amway that has 19 global data centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that is is a single namespace with MapR. And wow. each of the, the individual data centers you can think of as, as nodes mm-hmm. that have sub-nodes with, within that. Um, and with, with you know, you, you basically want to be able to have a policy-based decision to run to optimize for cost or performance or to meet government compliance. Right. And um, that's what's driving the need for use of multiple clouds. Um, you know, sometimes it's due to kind of government regulations or or state-based preferences in yeah. terms of where you run. Governance exists, yeah. <laughs> and, and some of it's based on, you know, the concept of, well, we need to have the processing be hyper-local. Mm-hmm. And that's where the edge and multi-cloud start to b- blend together. And it's all part of this trend of seeing, you know, more distributed processing. And I think eventually the edge will eat the cloud. Yeah. I think your I think your distributed processing is an interesting concept. So when we, we've talked about that, Hadoop has come up in a number of discussions. There's a lot of analysts out there who say Hadoop is dead, right? It's it's dead. What's your take on that? Do you do you think that Hadoop is is dead? Do you think it's is it going to live on? Like what's what's your view of that that comment? I think what gets mixed up into that is that um, Hadoop is treated as one uniform thing, mm-hmm. um, and you have to look at it and say, well, it's a collection of of open source projects that fall together because Spark is kind of included in that. Uh, if you look at Zookeeper, that's included in that, yeah. um, and and the data layer. So you know, Mapbar from the beginning viewed Hadoop as an important workload. Uh, as an important workload that would prove this distributed data platform that was required and necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there will continue to be Hadoop run in, in environments, but um, it is not necessarily where the, the latest and greatest are, are being run. If you, yeah. look, if you look at 
you look at what's required, it's a collection of capabilities. So, you know, these AI-based models, but some of the feature selection and transformation might be a Hadoop process to select that. Um, uh, some streaming technologies that are delivering that. So it's a, it's basically a, an ecosystem. The organization that has the greatest agility, I think, will will ultimately be the the winners, not necessarily the ones with the most data. Yeah. And I think that that the other thing to keep in mind when we talk about analytics is that a lot of people view analytics from the same perspective of BI mm-hmm. and data warehouse and basically it's a it's a batch mentality of a separate system that's used to describe what happened. Right. It's backward looking. Yep. Yeah. And where we see customers really moving the needle, it's taking analytics and injecting them into the operations and making intelligent adjustments to drive top line or reduce risk, or um, you know, reduce costs yeah. and, and drive one, efficiency. One thing I'm curious about too is like you've mentioned a handful of you know big name companies in financial services and, and autom- automakers. In your view, like what are the areas or the use cases in in certain industries that are maybe the most prime for like absolutely being disrupted by AI being injected into process? I think harnessing data flows will be the future. So the organizations that view their ecosystem as a series of data flows um, that involve kind of the the customer and partners and supply chain uh, and can occupy that that kind of apex point will be the ones that that win. So that puts a real premium on understanding context as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and making the appropriate um, changes. Gotcha. So um, that's why edge is so important. That's why moving away from a batch-oriented uh, process or dependency on administrative ETL or master data management in a batch mode before you can inject the analytics. Yeah. It's So it sounds real. I mean, Matt Barr sounds really interesting the ways you guys have approached this. It was a very novel approach early on that now based on where the market and the technology's moved, it's, you've, I feel like you're, you're really primed and set up. I'm curious from your perspective, like what's next for Mapar? If you think the world is this, like, you know, edge eats, you know, edge eats cloud, there's these changes, there's industries being changed. What's next for you guys? Like, what are you thinking about? What are you doing next to, uh, to drive innovation and drive customer success? So, so there, there's a real focus on where, it gets run, so that drives the kind of multi-cloud and the the edge, right? And then a real focus on the on the top line of what's being processed and how do we make that easier. So, transforming AI from a an individual to a team sport um, is really key. The ability to to share containers and notebooks and and projects, the the ability to persist that data, so it's easy to take a new model and have it read from the beginning of the stream so you can compare it against existing. Um, all of that is is kind of front and center. So we've got we've got a lot of streams, if you will, of of development priorities, but they all kind of focus on the same um, I guess the the same big trend. Yeah, same vision. Interesting. Well, Jack, it's been really fun to chat with you. I uh, I want to switch gears here, and I want to I want to make sure that the 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 listeners know that Mapbar Technologies really solving interesting problems in terms of 
uh, enabling organizations to have what sounds like a real platform. Even though marketers always call them all platforms. It sounds like you have a really <laughs> okay, unique. You know platform what? Approach. The platform, that points out probably platforms. our biggest challenge is yeah. is kind of rising above the noise Man, because things sound so similar at the top line, and you have to get down to to the architecture to say, well, this is significant. Yeah. And I think some of the some of the most exciting things I've seen are some of the demos we've done with respect to Kubeflow and Kubernetes and the yeah. AI sharing because the only way to do that effectively is to have the platform that's real underneath. So where are you and MapR going to be for the rest of the year? It's conference season. Where are you participating? Where are you going to be able to show some of these demos? Oh, great question. Uh, and <laughs> it's a great question for our events coordinator. Audience, not, you heard this yeah, here first. Here. Great we'll question. get a full calendar of events uh, posted in the I, show notes. I know, I know the week after I'm in... Uh, <laughs> the week after I'm in London yeah. at uh, at the Strat event, we're actually doing some of our own conferences as well. So we update our our website. Um, yep. We have our our kind of dataware conferences. So you can can you come and learn about mm -hmm. that about data that data layer and how that you know powers uh, powers everything from the the edge to the cloud. Uh, so I guess that's that's probably the best thing to point everyone at our Check events them. website. See I want to go happens. back to one thing you mentioned. So you mentioned Kubeflow. Like this is an interesting project to me. Explain, from your view, what is Kubeflow for those that don't know what it is? So, uh, you know, at the high level, kind of looking at the importance of the data flows and workflows, um, and, and it kind of ties into the view of really understanding data flows. Um, in fact, this is kind of a Deloitte did a technology, you know, outlook and said harnessing data flows will be the primary task of IT for the next decade. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and, and, and they said that there's, you know, the reason behind that is that we're seeing a change in business models moving from, you know, just a, a, a product transaction to usage models and pricing on impact yeah. um, and, and kind of a, a change in the relationship with the, the customers. One of my favorite examples is Incitech. It's which one? Incitech, which is an Australian-based explosives manufacturer. Okay. They've... <clears throat> done a series of acquisitions, including the original Alfred Nobel Dynamite Company. Really? Okay. okay. That's interesting. And they were under cost pressure because of uh, a lot of uh, low-cost entrants from you know different regions and, and countries. They used AI um, originally in manufacturing to make it more efficient, mm -hmm. right, to increase margins. But then they started applying it at the edge on sites and now sell explosions as a service. Really? So instead of buying so much, you know, dynamite or explosives, how big do you want the hole and where do you want it? No kidding. That's and I think that's a perfect analogy for yeah. how companies need to think differently and how analytics are now going to be not just a descriptive of what happened. They're going to be core to their business future. Wow, that's really cool. Explosive, explosives as a service. I can How my, big can I get the hole? Yeah. That would be my question. It's <laughs> how much money you got, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting story around how MapR is really giving customers the outcomes they desire and deploying AI in a true kind of platform sense. I'm curious, how would you suggest if somebody wanted to get started understanding MapR or get started using it, how does somebody get started with you guys? So um, we've tried to make it really easy and have a you know free container-based download of, of the software. But one of the other big commitments we've done from an openness standpoint is to completely open up our training. So we've got um, free on-demand training on our site. 
in the MapBar Academy, you can have different uh, solution tracks, an administrator, a data scientist, a de developer, and they all can lead to separate certifications. Hmm. So I think that's a you know, pretty, pretty uh, easy way to kind of get a taste and, and also go deep when you need to in, in certain areas. Yeah, that's very cool. We all like free training because, man, Having a cert does help with the resume in terms yeah, of job exactly. performance, which is awesome. Certs That's very on cool. certs on certs. <laughs> That's awesome. This rapid fire is brought to you by Infoworks.io. Infoworks is a software platform for big data engineers that automates the end-to-end -end data workflow from source to consumption, including data ingestion, transformation, and data modeling. Learn more at www.infoworks.io. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. All right, so what is the latest book you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, the Couple Next Door. Okay. The so, what, What's that? What is that? Uh, it's, a, it's a mystery with a lot of twists and turns. Dig it. Okay. I read it on the beach yeah. uh, just last week. That sounds awesome. Sounds amazing. All right. So we're, we're at a conference right now. Uh, you're speaking at, at this conference. Uh, if you had a song to play when you walk on stage, what would it be? Hit the Road Jack. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good one. Maybe, maybe that should be the exit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're, you're setting expectations your uh, <laughs> very interestingly for the start of that. All right. So what piece of technology is making your life worse currently? I will say a Google Calendar. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Calendars in general, yeah, awful. All, all calendars. It's, it's more on what's on them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have a scheduling problem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, what is your biggest personal money pit right now? Ooh. Um, Maybe a trip to Hawaii. I, I guess my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's Kids are the most expensive thing you can they have. They are. Um, what show are you binging on right now? Um, Americans. Okay. Okay. Choice. I haven't seen that one. We've heard yeah. that a couple times. Yeah, we've heard that. Let's, yeah. Let's check that one out. Uh, we're we're kind of a little bit late to the party, but we're just about in the last uh, last good. season. Okay. It's a beauty of binging. You yeah. can just watch it on demand. Love it. Yeah. So you just got back from a very interesting place, but where's the next interesting place that you're going? Um, I well, I said London. I'm going to be there in two weeks. I actually really enjoy London. I, I don't. Too. I don't think I'll get tired of that there's just always something to do something to see fun city great city fish and chips some gin history it's great <laughs> it is phenomenal martin miller's gin by the way okay nice good choice that. no jack thank you so much for coming on the big data beer podcast we had a, a blast talking to you about matt bar and we look forward to uh catching up with you down the hey, road. my pleasure really enjoyed it awesome right, so hit the road jack thanks thanks for listening to the big data beard podcast the music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. <laughs>